obviously it meant a lot to Dayball and he got his team ready. You made you made the point last week that if he got blown out by the commanders, it, it might be done for Dayball this year. He, he thought that might be the, the final straw. I thought that was an interesting take. Uh, the Giants responded. Dayball responded. He had his team ready to go. They were way more engaged. They were not the same team we've been watching every week, Dan. And I'd love to give Dayball and the Giants all the credit. Uh, but A, it's the commanders who now they've now beaten twice. They're one and seven against the rest of the league. And B, like, where the F has that been? <laughs> I mean, like the Giants have I've had a couple flashes this year, I guess both times against Washington, where it's like, oh yeah, there's the team, there's the effort, there's the engagement. Like that's what we've been that's what we've been expecting. But it's only been in flashes. This was another flash. Where the F has that been, Dan? Right? That was a little well, frustrating. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, all the talk about Wink Martindale possibly being the scapegoat last week, that undoubtedly angered him and his and his players, and they came out absolutely on fire. So we could talk about Tommy DeVito and Saquon all day long, but that defensive performance was pretty remarkable. Hey there, and welcome into the show. Happy Thanksgiving as well to you all. Ryan O'Leary here along with Giants Wire Managing Editor, Dan Benton. Hey there, Dan. Feeling a little more chipper this week heading into the holiday weekend. We're coming off a Giants win. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, right? Like, didn't didn't really see that coming. Although, in hindsight, probably should have. You know, it is it is the Washington franchise after all. And, you know, although I picked Washington to win the game, I, I did preface by saying that the Giants own this team and they constantly find a way. And they did that again um, in, in sort of wild fashion on Sunday with Six turnovers, almost seven turnovers, four sacks, and then, of course, uh, Tommy bag of touchdowns going off for the Giants, uh, throwing for nearly 250 yards and, and three touchdowns, two of which went to Saquon, who had arguably one of the best games that he's had in years for the team. Um, he's kind of been overshadowed by the rookie quarterback a little bit. He deserves his credit. Uh, I don't think the Giants are that productive offensively in that game without Saquon, so uh, – you know, it's it's sort of funny to watch him play right now because the opposing defenses all know that he's really the only threat the Giants have offensively, and they're loading up to stop him, and they just can't seem to stop him. And it, and it brings you back to, you know, that whole Saquon is an elite running back kind of argument. And uh, it's kind of showing the value that he had when the Giants took him so early in the draft controversially. And I think arguably he's making his money and a statement for a long-term contract off at the end of the season. Yeah, he can't argue. I mean, if he's he's out in the negotiating room saying, "Hey, I'm a receiver too," uh, he certainly yeah. showed it out because he looked he looked amazing. But yeah, it was uh, everybody on Giants Wire picked the Commanders, and I we talked about the Survivor Pool last week. Should I should I take the Commanders in the Survivor oh, Pool? I know a lot right. of people will. I decided not to, Dan. Thank God. Good I took I took the Dolphins. I had the Dolphins left. I'm like, I'm just going to use the Dolphins uh, because I don't trust Rivera. I don't trust Sam Howell and the Giants. I know they like you said earlier, like they. They're comfortable against this team. I'm just not yeah. putting my. I'm not putting it on the on Washington. And thank God I did that. Uh, just real quick to the listener, we're thankful to have you with us. You know, on this holiday weekend, support us if you could by hitting subscribe, leave that five star rating, leave a review, tell us how much you love the great Danton. We appreciate it as always. Uh, so Dan, have you caught the Tommy D fever? Right, or <laughs> or are they calling it in East Rutherford just the D for short? I think. Have you caught the D, Dan? <laughs> Uh, uh, no, I have, I have not caught that. I, I don't <laughs> intend to catch that. But no, listen, I, I think that the Giants fan base, I think the Giants organization needs the fun that's occurring right now. They need the Agreed. entertainment. Agreed. They need this excitement. They need that shot in the arm. Uh, don't know how long it's going to last. I mean, uh, we'll talk about that here in a couple minutes. Bill Belichick going against a rookie quarterback. But uh, for the time being, it's been such a miserable 
year just in terms of the production on the field, the quality of the play, the injuries of the players, the debate and arguments and even anger among the fans and all of the other issues that the Giants have been dealing with leading up to that game. It's it's again, it may be temporary, but it's a nice release. It's a nice break from the misery that was. And and I think more than going deep into a conversation about, oh, Daniel or Daniel Jones couldn't do this and Tommy DeVito did that. I think everybody needs to just take a step back and enjoy what happened on Sunday. Um, enjoy the win. Enjoy the whole Tommy DeVito fever that's occurring right now in the Northeast, um, in New York and New Jersey in particular and specifically. Um, so, yeah, it was a nice little shot in the arm, like I said. And um, it's, it's very much enjoyable. He's a high-energy kind of guy. He's true to form. That is who he is. Daniel Jones appearing on Kay Adams on uh, Tuesday said that what you see is what you get with him. When they when they showed up, when he showed up for uh, Daniel Jones's offseason passing academy, he, he said he showed up in a black tank top with a big gold gold chain, <laughs> you know, his hair all done nicely. He's like, what you see is what you get. He's He's very true to his New Jersey roots, and, uh, you know, it, it is a lot of fun. I hope it continues. I don't know if it's going to, but I certainly hope that it does. Best thing I saw on Twitter on Sunday, Dan, and credit Big Blue VCR out there on Twitter, uh, he, he tweeted, Tommy DeVito only knows one tank, the one he wears down Jersey Shore in July. So that was the, uh, to the response of the Giants, we're more concerned with their draft pick than anything. And I, I actually, like, thought that might be a thing because I didn't think DeVito gave the Giants any – sort of chance to win with the way he was playing, uh, you know, the way he yeah. was kind of staring down the rush those first couple of games, the way he wasn't getting the football to receivers, Dan, as we talked about. I didn't think he had it, and I'm happy to admit when I'm wrong, especially when the Giants win a game, but 246 passing yards, nine and a half per completion, three touchdowns, no picks, a 137.7 QB rating, Dan, like, holy crap, even against the commanders, that was amazing. <laughs> that, was, that was just well, amazing. I could not believe that yeah. happened. It was it's a far cry from, you know, the first time we saw Tommy DeVito and they weren't allowing him to even throw a pass. I mean, the the, uh, the progress he's made in such a short amount of time is stunning, honestly. And again, you know, you do kind of have to add the asterisk that it was the Washington Commanders, the 32nd ranked pass defense in the league. But again, this is an undrafted rookie quarterback or just a second NFL star playing a game that nobody expected him to play, not even himself. So it's a credit to his preparation, um, his positive mindset, his optimistic attitude, his hard work, his dedication, and his football IQ, which we're learning is actually is quite high. Uh, you know, everybody wants to slap him with all these stereotypical labels, and he welcomes it. It's funny. Everybody's enjoying it. But in reality, you sit down and talk X's and O's with him, and this kid knows football. And uh, it is impressive. And like I said earlier, I, I hope that his success continues. I love any story where an undrafted guy gets an opportunity at an NFL career that he probably otherwise wouldn't have and makes the most of it. I think it, it does make for a great story and you got to root for the kid. You got to love it. It's, it's a lot of fun. This is fun. Art Stapleton was all over it a couple, a few weeks ago. He said, just start DeVito. It's the best thing the giants can do. And, and I'm, I, at the time I was reading it and I was like, what the hell are you talking about art? Yeah. But now, now I agree I'm with him. Now I agree yeah. with him. I'm in, I'm all in. This is fun. Uh, well, it's go ahead. It's funny because the tide has turned to the point now where it's like, let's just get Tommy DeVito, have him carry the Giants until Tyrod Taylor gets back. And now, mm -hmm. listen, I'm a huge Tyrod fan. You've, you've all heard me beat that dead horse a million times. I don't think Ty, if, as long as Tommy DeVito continues to play like this, I don't think he can go back to Tyrod. I, I mean, at the very least, he's auditioning and, and had a very nice audition there against Washington for to sure. be in the Giants long term plans as a backup quarterback. Dan, sure. is, that, is that a thing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, moving forward, they're, they're going to be without one. 
Um, unless you want to, you know, assume that they're going to draft a rookie quarterback and Daniel Jones is going to return and that one of them will be the backup. But I do think he's making the case and, and potentially making a comfortable case for himself and the Giants that he can be in their long-term plans as, as a sort of backup quarterback. And uh, if he ends up on the practice squad, I don't, if he continues to play like this, I don't know how long that's going to last. I don't think that's kind of going to be the long-term answer with him. So whether or not it's with the Giants, like I said, if he keeps, you know, finding success at this point and, and down the stretch, he's going to create an opportunity for himself somewhere. Yeah. So um, once we take, you know, get the Motrin, the Tylenol, whatever you need to come down from the fever, right? You know, when you start to get balanced, get centered and get balanced here, the Giants stand, it felt like they were in third and long so often. A lot. <laughs> so yeah. often. Now, DeVito made some plays on third and long. So I got to give him credit mm-hmm. for that. Uh, and that was some of the, the wow factors. Like, whoa, I mean, that's third and 13. And he just uncorked that thing to Slayton or, or Saquon down the sideline. Wow. Uh, but yeah. Tons of third and long. I mean, the sacks were just ridiculous. Uh, so yeah. he's still really not moving at an NFL speed with the processing and staring down the rush and that stuff. And, the you know, he's probably worried about his pass protection. But, like, the sacks and the negative plays are still, like, you feel like as fun as this game was, to your point, it was the commanders. And, you know, you play against a team that's got its crap together, uh, which I don't think Ron Rivera in Washington does, you know. Uh, the sacks and the negative plays still like they, it kind of hangs over this win a little bit, even though it was really fun, like five sacks in the first quarter, uh, seven in the first half, nine overall. Like that's not a way to play football. And it's just it just keeps on hammering the point that the Giants just have to figure it out This because it's like every single quarterback they put out there, it's the same thing. So they just got to go out there and figure out the root of the problem. What is it? How do we figure out how to block and protect the quarterback? Because it takes I think we've talked about that. It takes coordination, right? It's the head coach, the offensive coordinator, O-line coach, the center, the quarterback, that everyone has to understand, all right, when we get this look, we're going to block it up X, Y, Z, and like everybody's got to know it. And it's not just like go draft a guy high in the draft and, and they're going to solve all your problems, right? It's got to be coordinated. And they just, I don't know, I'm not smart enough to know how they do it, Dan, but some the Giants need to make that their number one priority because the pass protection thing is like, it's always going to hang over us no matter how fun a win is, right? Like, that's just where we're at. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's just, you know, nine sacks in the NFL is just, that's not going to get a ton. And, you know, I know Dayball came out after the game and was very adamant that you can't place the blame all the, for all those sacks on the offensive line. And, you know, I've been pretty critical of any notion that suggests that the quarterback is directly and solely responsible for for quarterback for sacks and pressures. They are to a certain degree, and Tommy DeVito certainly ran into several sacks on Sunday. I think that was more of a rookie kind of thing than anything else. But the reality is, even with DeVito contributing to some of that pressure and some of those negative plays and some of those sacks, the interior offensive line was just they were horrible. I don't think there's any other way to put it. It was abomination of what it means to play offensive line in the NFL. Justin Pugh, well, he's been a great story, did not play particularly well uh, on Sunday. Uh, you know, John Michael Smith's rookie center didn't play particularly well. Uh, ben Bredesen, who had been really their most consistent guy outside of Andrew Thomas, didn't play well. You kind of wonder if it's time maybe to go back to Mark Lewinsky, who seemed to be playing well for a minute there. Uh, before he found his way back to the bench. But, yeah, the bottom line is, is outside of Andrew Thomas, who's now playing on a sprained MCL, uh, the offensive line has been the worst. And, and when we say the worst, we talked about the chart last week. Their pass protection isn't just bad. It's astronomically, unbelievably bad. 
Um, and they certainly didn't do anything to help those numbers last week. In fact, if we saw that chart now, uh, the distance between them and the next worst team would be even more, you know, even more significant than it was a week ago. Um, so they're actually trending in the wrong direction somehow. Uh, which is remarkable considering what we've seen out of them this year. So I do agree with you that whether or not they go for a quarterback in the draft, they have got to make some sort of conceded or concentrated effort to fix this offensive line, to find the right guys, to find the right coaches, to find the right assistants, whatever it requires to fix this problem, they have got to fix this problem. I think Caleb Williams is in tears right now just thinking about playing behind that line. (laughs) I'm sorry. That yeah. was a horrible, horrible joke. Horrible bad joke. <laughs> uh, but so what, you wouldn't know anyway because now he's hiding. He won't talk. To me I know that, that was a bad look. That was a bad look. We'll talk about more about that in, in draft time because yeah, I thought that was bad leadership. But anyway, what did you learn about from the Giants in this game, Dan? For me, just to lead us into this one, like obviously it meant a lot to Dayball, and he got his team ready. You made you made the point last week that if he got blown out by the Commanders. It might be done for Dayball this year. He thought that might be the the final straw. I thought that was an interesting take. Uh, the Giants responded. Dayball responded. He had his team ready to go. They were way more engaged. They were not the same team we've been watching every week, Dan. And I'd love to give Dayball and the Giants all the credit. Uh, but a, it's the Commanders who now they've now beaten twice. They're one and seven against the rest of the league. And b, like where the f has that been? <laughs> you know what I mean, like the Giants had have had a couple flashes this year. I guess both times against Washington where it's like, oh yeah, there's the team. There's the effort. There's the engagement. Like that's what we've been, that's what we've been expecting, but it's only been in flashes. This was another flash where the F is that Ben Dan, right? That was a little frustrating. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, all the talk about Wink Martindale possibly being the scapegoat last week, that undoubtedly angered him and his, and his players. And they came out absolutely on fire. So we could talk about Tommy DeVito and Saquon all day long, but that defensive performance was pretty remarkable um, in terms of, you know, the turnovers, the sacks, the tackles for loss, cave on against the run. Everybody wants to talk about the sacks. He played well against the run. Um, on Sunday. I thought the whole team largely played well. I was a little disappointed with the interior defensive line. That's been a notable issue since the trade of Leonard Williams, Ishawn Robinson, Raheem uh, Nunez Roaches didn't play really up to par on Sunday. I think if we're going to nitpick, that's kind of where you've got to go. Um, Jason Pinnock dropped what would have been the seventh turnover of the game, the sixth uh, takeaway for the defense, which is incredible when you could have six takeaways and, and, doesn't matter who you have at quarterback on the other side of the ball. If you continue to put them in that kind of position, you're going to have a lot of success. Um, but, you know, Wink Martindale, to his credit, had his guys hungry. They were obviously upset with all the criticism that he was facing during the week. Uh, they wanted to prove that the, the infighting wasn't nearly as bad as some make it seem. I don't necessarily agree that's the case. I, I still think had they ended up losing that game at the end there, uh, we'd be having a very different conversation about what happened in that locker room. Uh, thankfully, we didn't have to go down that path, and they were able to secure the win thanks to Isaiah Simmons, who uh, you know, had that pick six to seal the game there. Oh, sweet. But it was a tremendous defensive performance, and I think more than anybody else, uh, Wink Martindale deserves a pat on the back for having his guys ready to go and on fire in that game. Um, and obviously, that juiced up the offense, and they were able to capitalize on all those turnovers. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think, wasn't it? two turnovers on the first six plays for Sam Howell and the yeah. commanders. You know, it's just like, it you know, really it's funny as first quarter, you knew the yeah, Giants were going to win that game. As the game is going on, Brian, Brian Manning, who's the, uh, 
who's the editor over at Commander's Wire, was privately messaged me saying, I promise you Sam Howell is not as bad as he looks right now. He really isn't as no, bad. If he plays the Giants every week, he's screwed. Yeah. That kid. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, it was it was ugly for them. It really was. And I think that's where we kind of got to you know, pump the brakes a little bit and, and temper the excitement and the and everything else because uh, we said it last time that the Giants and Commanders play. We came on this podcast, and I'm going to repeat what I said then. They are a they are an absolutely terrible team. Wretched. No matter how bad you think the Giants are, every single time they go up against Washington, I think to myself, it's it's almost surreal to believe and to realize and to recognize that there's a team in the NFL that's worse than the Giants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're just stupid, poorly run. Uh, it, it just but again, the Giants one and seven against the rest of the league, and their and their one win featured a twenty eight nothing deficit at halftime. So I don't think all the problems are solved here, Dan. Uh, and I. Wouldn't be all that surprised if they regress back to the mean a little bit here against the Patriots, which we'll get into. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think the Commanders, uh, they're just such a fraudulent TV, right? They come in, they're quote-unquote in the playoff hunt, whatever, with four wins. Like, get out of here. It's a freaking Commanders with Rivera. And just get... I, I'm just I so upset that we all picked the uh, freaking Commanders in this game. Honestly, that's what I'm most upset about. <laughs> well, that that was, you know, shame on us for that, honestly. We we all kind of knew better and we all kind of said that, but then we're like, but <laughs> yep. yeah, we should have just, <laughs> we shouldn't have just gone with our guts. Honestly, I don't know how he wasn't fired after that game. Same, same. So, all right, we're going to have a little bit of fun, a little bit of fun here coming up next, you know, inspired by Tommy DeVito uh, with a six pack of questions to get us ready for the long holiday weekend. First, here's some week 12 fantasy advice from thehuddle.com. Corey Bonini with thehuddle.com here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week number 12. Quarterback Gardner Minshew, Indianapolis Colts versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Coming out of the bye week, Minshew will be at home taking on a Bucks defense that has allowed the fourth most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks on the season. No team has given up more per game in the last five weeks. Every quarterback but rookie Will Levis has posted at least 250 yards and 22 fantasy points in that time. Three of those guys went for 30 or more points, and Josh Allen is the only name on that list anyone drafted as a quarterback one. Minshew should be a rock-solid starter this week. Running back Isaiah Pacheco, Kansas City Chiefs at Las Vegas Raiders. In the last five games, the Raiders have allowed 594 rushing yards and five ground scores, giving up five catches for 42.8 yards through the air in that time. One of those 25 receptions found the end zone as well. Pacheco's opponent has allowed 12 double-digit PPR producers on the air, and he is poised to make it a Baker's dozen. Wide receiver Brandon Cooks, Dallas Cowboys versus Washington Commanders. Fresh off his best game in years, Cooks wasn't needed versus Carolina as the Cowboys scored 33 points with him catching just three passes for 42 yards. He has been a little erratic and reliant on finding the end zone in the past five weeks, but three of his outings in that time have gone for at least 14 PPR points. He should feast on a Washington defense that has surrendered a touchdown per game on average in the last five contests. And 16 wide receivers have produced double-digit fantasy points, with nine of them going for at least 18. Tight end Kate Auden, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Indianapolis Colts. With at least four receptions in four of his last five games, Auden is a solid play against the Colts, who have given up 16.2 PPR points per game to tight ends over the last five weeks. For context, in that time, this matchup is 30.1% easier than the league average. Give him a look if you have an underperforming starter or an injured star. Happy Thanksgiving from everyone at The Huddle. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back as promised. A uh, Thanksgiving-infused six-pack. We're going to crack it open. Six questions for Dan. Not prepped on these. Dan, are you ready? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Number Question number one, Dan. Give us one giant that it could be a player or a coach 
Give us one player or coach that the fans will be most thankful for when this season uh, mercifully ends. We have five games left. Which player or coach you think fans will be most thankful for at the end? Oh, how is it not Dexter Lawrence? It's got to be Dexter Lawrence. I yep. mean, you're talking about a guy who's dominating at a level for nose tackle that you may have never seen before, ever. Uh, the impact that he has on every single game is just unparalleled. If you actually sit down and watch the film, it's it's almost comical to to see grown men, giant grown men, try to block this guy, and they just don't stand a chance. They were triple teaming him, and he was just destroying three dudes at one time. It's just it's almost surreal to watch it. It's and I, I don't say this lightly. In fact, I doubt anyone's ever heard me say this, but his impact on defense is sort of Lawrence Taylor esque in the fact that he's changing the way that offensive coordinators have to game plan for him and how offensive linemen are playing against the Giants defense. Even in the absence of Leonard Williams, there's been no drop off in production and dominance whatsoever. So I think Giants fans and the Giants organization are very, very thankful for Dexter Lawrence. Yeah, I think that's the correct answer. That's the smart answer. Uh, me, you know, Dan, I'm not very smart. So when I thought about this question, I'm like, I kind of want to, it's kind of goes back to our Tommy D conversation. Just he's brought a little bit of entertainment value. The whole Jersey boy still living with his parents probably will never have to pay for another drink on the Jersey shore. We now that's know, for sure. we now know he can smash the commanders. He'll probably be smashing something else in the summer, Dan, a, a few more things. I don't know. We're not have to go there, but he's brought a little bit of juice and, and humor and laughter to a kind of a miserable season. So um, I'm thankful for Tommy D, but yeah, Dexter Lawrence yeah. is a great answer there. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you an underrated giant that people should be thankful for, and and they're not nearly as thankful for him as they should be, and that's uh, Darius Slayton. Forget the fact that he's the Giants' most consistent wide receiver; he's just a gem off of the field. He's yeah. a very funny guy, very loyal to his teammates, good with the fans, just a, just a good, good person. Yeah, nice little stutter move there on that touchdown too. That was pretty sweet. That's gorgeous. Uh, yeah, that was that was nice. Uh, all right, question number two, Dan. Where where do you rank Thanksgiving on the list of major holidays each year? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would say I rank it third personally. Uh, I know for most people they would rank it one or two. Um, I'm a big Christmas guy. I love Christmas with my family. Uh, we're all Italians ourselves. You wouldn't know that from my last name. My family had to change their last name when they came here to New York uh, way back in the day. Uh, but we're a very big Italian family. And, uh, you know, my parents, my mother in particular, she, she's just she goes all out for Christmas. Uh, you know, the Feast of the Seven Fishes on Christmas Eve, big time Christmas dinner, you know, decorations. Just she goes all out. It's great. Uh, from a personal standpoint, I'm a big Halloween guy. I love horror movies. Um, you know, I just I always loved Halloween as a kid. It was always my my personal favorite. I look forward to it every single year. I treat that as a month long holiday. And then, of course, you know, after that, I would say Thanksgiving. I always enjoy, you know, spending good time, quality time with my immediate family, my brother, my parents, um, just enjoying football when the Giants aren't playing. Thank God they're not playing, <laughs> um, you know, this Thanksgiving. So I could just kind of kick back, relax and and enjoy the games and just kind of chill. The Giants don't have any press availability, so it'll be real nice. So I, I would rank it third. Uh, behind Christmas and Halloween and Halloween, obviously just a personal preference. Unfortunately, we might be subjected to uh, the commanders. You know, again, if you if you have if you feel like watching that Cowboys game, you're going to be subjected to <laughs> more Sam Howell. I, I'm actually looking forward to watching the Lions. If I'm being yeah, yeah, that'll be a good one. Yeah. That that might be yeah. one of the, the game to circle there on the slate. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, so I'm a little different than you. I'm not a huge Christmas guy. I love the family aspect of Christmas, and you know, even all the lights and it's that you know the living room feels nice when you have all the lights decorated the wife puts all the stuff up yeah no it looks great but uh just the the thought of buying everybody presents all the nieces nephews parents <laughs> like i that gives me anxiety dad i hate that uh, i've 
I have learned to do that in October. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm not good at that. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, the, the Christmas, the, uh, the receiving of gifts, the, the handing out of gifts, that's always seemed awkward to me. It'll, it'll be fun with my two year old now. Like I'm excited I'm about sure that. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be exciting. But you know, the stuff are like, you know, my, my, that's actually, honestly, that the whole exchanging of gifts, I, I think with my family in particular, I think that's kind of our, like our least favorite part of the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, we do it. I mean, we certainly do it or we enjoy, you know, doing that for each other. But I think beyond that, I, I don't really think when I think of Christmas, the exchanging of gifts is not really, you know, where my mind goes. We, we sort of celebrate the holiday differently, but I understand that I can, I can empathize with that. I think that's a common trait for most people is they get anxiety <laughs> when it comes to the whole well, uh, gifting exchange. I hate when people that aren't my immediate family get me a gift because then I feel obligated. Of to course. Yeah. The this favor. is exactly yeah. it. This is exactly it. And then yeah. they get you something. You're like, I don't know. I don't need this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't need this. I would have <laughs> bought some, If I wanted this, I would have bought it. But no, it's right, like exactly. my, you know, my wife's birthday is December 15th. So I have the birthday and Christmas always stacked up ever oh, since we started funny. dating, like almost 10 years ago. Now it's like, it's that's December has been a stressful month. So I'm not Christmas. I can't put at the top of the list. Fourth of July, everyone's shooting off your fireworks. If my neighbors are listening, don't do it. Stop that. You're scaring my dog. You're waking up my kid. Hey, if my neighbors are listening, keep doing it. I love <laughs> yeah. your show. Oh, God. It sounds like a war zone out there. It's like you're scaring my dog. So, yeah, J- July 4th, not my favorite. New Year's, always a letdown, except for 2012 when I went to Vegas. That was pretty fun. I don't, so, even, yeah. Yeah, I don't even bother with New Year's. I'm Thanksgiving. I'm Thanksgiving all day. Memorial Day w- Memorial Day for me would be my surprise um, dark horse favorite holiday because every single year on memorial day i host a huge barbecue there and wiffle go. ball yeah. tournament as well as like a, a blackjack and, and poker tournament so i always have a blast on memorial day well, when are you going to invite uh, me to people... that one day and that sounds right yeah. up my alley. <laughs> hey the <laughs> wiffle ball tournament is legendary man people come from everywhere to watch that so when i was yeah, 16 that, i could when i was 16 i could put a wiffle ball wherever you wanted it but i don't think i could do it anymore <laughs> but man when i was 16 i could i could put that thing on a dime wherever you wanted it man boom i was pretty good but uh, that is funny because that just started that whole tradition just started fluky one year from Memorial Day. I had, you know, nothing to do. And I'm like, hey, let's just let's just have a party. And it just it, it kind of snowballed and became this huge thing. And now everybody kind of looks forward to Memorial Day. And when we, we say that to people, people are like, that's such a weird holiday. It's just, you know, we just developed our own little tradition that everyone kind of looks forward to. I like that, Dan. I like that. And I want an invite. Damn it. Uh, all right. Uh, question number three, who will be the Giants head coach in 2024? Will it still be Dayball? Will it be Bill Belichick as people are oh, you know, trying to, uh, will it be somebody else? Who's the Giants head coach in 2024, Dan? Listen, Dayball saved his job by not getting blown out uh, by the commanders, even if he loses to New England now, which, you know, not going to look good. Uh, chances are he, he he saved it. I don't think he was going to get fired anyway. I think I said that last week. I think his, his seat could get hot or could have gotten hot. And it may very well still kind of get hot. He could go into next season, uh, you know, on the hot seat. <clears throat> How warm it is, I guess, you know, we'll wait and see. But he's not going anywhere. The Giants aren't going to move on from – they may move on from some of their coordinators and assistant coaches. Almost guaranteed they're going to move on from assistant coaches. But, yeah, Dable's going to be there. Because, listen, the whole notion that Bill Belichick is going to co- come coach the Giants, the only, the only way that he does that is if he takes over the GM duties too and Joe Shane's not going anywhere. So, you know, that, that whole argument is kind of moot. It's just not going to happen. The Giants aren't going to blow up the entire thing. Um, to hand the reins to Belichick, who's on, you know, basically got one foot out the door at this point. So that's not going to happen. I agree. It's Dayball. Uh, question number four MetLife Stadium, Dan, ranked the worst venue in the NFL by the players. So do you agree? Factual. Factual. Okay. Don't do, even need to finish that question. Okay. 100%. Well, do Absolutely you Absolutely terrible stadium. Do you agree? And what's the best venue in the NFL? What's, what's the opposite of that? 
the best venue in the NFL. Well, yes, I do agree that MetLife is absolute garbage. It's it's a one point six billion dollar yeah. microwave. I've been there as a fan, um, and it was not a fun experience. No, I no, it's, I did it's not like terrible. It. It's just, but listen, it's it's not that the amenities or anything are bad. The concessions are ridiculously expensive. They often have some of their own issues, which I'm not going to address for people who are probably listening to this as they sit down and eat turkey. <laughs> Maggots. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just boring, is what it is. It's just it's a it's like a tuna can, you know. It's just it's just a boring, dull kind of lame just stadium. Period. There's nothing overly extravagant or enjoyable or you know nice looking about it. It's very boring. Obviously, from the players' perspective, you hear all about the turf. Even the change hasn't, you know, magically fixed those issues. Um, it's just not a great place to play. It's just not a, a great place to go watch the game, uh, especially in the winter. It's freezing. I mean, that used to be kind of like the charm of the old giant stadium. But, you know, when you when you got losing football, it's much harder to enjoy that aspect of the game when you're sitting there freezing your buns off in those seats as, as the metal lands winds just blowing your face and your team's getting blown out on the field. So <laughs> takes a certain yeah. fan right there. It's not, it's not the best. It's not the best experience in the world. As far as the best fan experience in the NFL, admittedly, I haven't been out to all the stadiums, but I would imagine that Kansas city is a pretty damn entertaining place to go watch a game. Um, Seattle, for, for obvious reasons, probably pretty thrilling to go watch. That's on the bucket there. list for me. Yeah. Seattle is on the bucket yeah. list. So I, I would venture to guess as I, as I pour it over in my head, I, I hate Dallas, but that is a pretty impressive stadium. Um, that is definitely a pretty impressive stadium. Uh, the, the other two garbage dumps are um, in Washington, obviously at FedEx field is terrible. And, and of course in Philadelphia, where every time you go as opposing fan, you risk going to the hospital that <laughs> night. So, and I would put the bill stadium, right. And they're getting a new one, but that one too, it's so Pretty terrible. It's so tight in the concourse there. I've been there yeah. a couple times and it's so tight in the concourse, Dan, that the beer line and the bathroom line just converge into a mass. You can't even get around yeah. this mass. You don't know where the line ends, where it starts. So, you don't know if you're getting a beer or getting a or trying to get you know, to the bathroom. It's just a, a yeah. complete mess. They need a new stadium there. I uh, haven't. Um, but I haven't been out to Vegas, but I'd love to go check that. Stadium. Well, see, that's that's what I put. So the the stadiums I've seen, I've seen probably ten of them at this point, and that that was my, by far my favorite. I think Giants fans who went to the game know that Allegiant Stadium. It's like there's nothing like walking from the sports book right to the stadium in one fell swoop. It's like a short walk down the street. Stadium itself is badass on the outside, really cool on the inside natural light lots of stuff to look at it just feels it doesn't feel like being in that life it's just it's like a very cool yeah. feel in there there's a freaking co- uh stage and concert at halftime of every game it's just like it's an experience they, they do put, a great job i was gonna say they put yeah. on quite a show they do night. and as giants fans know though if you lose that game as a visiting fan it's insufferable to walk out of there there's only one way out it's all <laughs> foot traffic and if and i i guarantee giants fans who went to that game that are listening no walking out of that game that stadium with all the raiders fans They'll beat you because your undrafted quarterback was forced into action because of an injury and act like they just won the conference championship or heading to the Super Bowl. That I'm sure that was the most insufferable walk back to the strip out of that stadium for Giants fans. So I feel your pain. I've been there. Yeah. It is I'll tell you I'll tell you one quick underrated, underrated stadium, and that's Lucas Oil Stadium. Really? Okay. Yeah, great. I've now I haven't been there for a game, admittedly, but I've been there for other things, and that's that's a pretty nice it's a pretty damn nice stadium. I, I think SoFi too looks like a, a must. I mean, just the visuals of that outside, yeah. just the way it looks, yeah. looks really cool. So, but yeah, I met life, especially when we're talking about Buffalo, FedEx Field, Philly. I mean, to say that that one's 
by far the worst, and you didn't even want to answer, finish the question, Dan, is that's saying something. That's saying something about your freaking stadium right there. It's just, man, I miss the old Giant Stadium. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I really yeah. do. Like, yeah. I know it was kind of falling apart there at the end, but there was just there was just something different about it. That The fans were different. The, the, the game experience was different. You go to a Giants game now as a fan, and you get yelled at by, you know, these corporate, you know, bankers and, and all these other corporate entities that just get, you know – they get the exactly down in front, you know, you get that kind of nonsense and it's just, it's just not a good experience. I'm with you. Okay. Uh, question number five, this one's a little outside the box, Dan, but true or false, our kids are like the next generation of football fan. Will one day watch an NFL product that has quarterbacks wearing flags, meaning no more roughing the passer calls, less serious injuries for the quarterback. The defender pulls the flag off the quarterback play is dead. Otherwise it's football as usual. Do you true or false? The next generation will eventually see that someday. Boy, it really does seem to be trending in that direction, doesn't it? I think so. Um, God, I, I would hate to say true, but I almost can't bring myself to say false, just given all the changes that are occurring and where things seem to be trending. I mean, we go back to that Leonard Williams roughing the passer call from earlier this year, which was the most egregiously stupid call that I've ever seen. You know, and then you know we've seen several of those that this year where they're getting you know these calls where you can't even touch the quarterback. So. As much as I hate to say it, and as hyperbolic as it may seem, I'm going to say true. I think that that is going to happen. Um, it may be, you know, to, you know, later on mm -hmm. in that generation, and I may not be here for it. But the, but your kids, our kids, uh, yeah, I'm afraid they they are going to see the end of end of football as we know it. It's going to be closer to flag football. I do, I do believe that. Yeah, I, I my take on this is I have a two year old, and I think it, I don't think it'll be in my lifetime, but in his lifetime, hopefully. Um, he will see quarterbacks wearing flags. Um, I think it'll eventually get there. Uh, I don't think I hate that. I hate. I absolutely yeah. despise. Oh, so do I. Yeah, so do I. But you know, you have guys like Tom Brady, who I know he's been speaking out about some of the 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 flags and the ridiculous penalties because he, back when he was playing in the early two thousands, the quarterbacks would get their helmet just knocked off, and then they pick up the helmet, put it back on, no flag, and we continue playing football. Right? It's just a yeah. hey, listen. I grew different. up during the yeah. Lawrence. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. grew up during Lawrence Taylor and Ronnie Lott, man, and 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 Bill Romanowski is a great example. Like, man, the game the game is very different, and I, I would yep. challenge the the current generation of fan to to go back and watch some of those games in full and to see what football was like. And I know you'll hear people say, oh, it was, was so unnecessarily violent and the damage that they did, you know, it is unfortunate. CTE is unfortunate. But much like the military service, I think you go into the game of football understanding the risks and the consequences of the game that you're playing. Um, and if you're not willing to put yourself at risk, then you probably shouldn't be playing the game of football. Um, it's a very fast, it's a very physical, it's a very violent game. It used to be much faster, more physical and more violent. Uh, well, maybe not faster. The game is pretty damn fast these days, oh, yeah. uh, but it certainly was more violent. Um, and, and yeah, you, you just, it's a very different game. It's just not the same sport that it once was. And I think, you know, as we fast forward in time, like you said, it won't be the game that it currently is either. And I find that to be unfortunate. Yeah. With, with the, you know, the concussion stuff and the research that they've been able to, you know, learn and, and conduct like yeah there should have been there should be a middle ground but it's going so far yeah. in the in uh, in one direction and i think eventually it'll go it'll go way too far and, and we'll the, get the there. pendulum has, has swung so far yeah. it really has yeah. and pe people ask me all the time listen i never made it professionally um i i played semi-pro football that was the you know the height of my football career i was about to try out for um the albany xfl or the uh, afl team back in the day when i tore my knee up 
MCL, ACL, PCL, completely torn. I've broken more bones than I can count. I had concussions. I very well may have CTE. I don't know, won't know. My family won't know until I'm gone. Uh, but I get asked all the time if all the injuries that I've sustained throughout my life playing the game of football, which have been the primary cause of all of my injuries, really, um, is worth it. And I say without hesitation that it was 100% worth it. And even knowing what I know now, I would still go back and do it because I love the game of football. Uh, I think for the players on the field, what it does for them mentally is 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 so much more healing uh, than a lot of people realize. Um, so yeah, I do. I absolutely love the game of football. I loved being on the field. I knew what I was getting myself into. And even knowing what I know now, I would still go back and play that violent sport a hundred times out of a hundred. All right. That's well said. Uh, question number six, Dan, buy or sell the Patriots who have a worse record than the Giants. We don't even know who their quarterback's going to be yet. Uh, so we're talking on early Wednesday morning. It sounds like it's going to be Mac Jones somehow. Uh, so <laughs> they've given up on him, but they might trot him out. So I'm not even sure that the Patriots have a better quarterback out there. Uh, but still, on the road, at MetLife, the Patriots are three-point favorites. Buy or sell the Patriots is that at that line, Dan. It's Belichick against the rookie quarterbacks. You kind of got to buy it. And I think that's really kind of the only reason why. I don't think that the New England Patriots are necessarily a better team than the New York Giants. They're not. Uh I just think that for all the faults that the Patriots have, Belichick against rookie quarterbacks gives them an immediate advantage. And I think Vegas is right in giving them the spread that's been put out there right now. Um, I don't think it's going to be any kind of domination. I don't think you're going to see Tommy DeVito play at the level he played up last week. Uh, you know, again, it's a battle of two bad teams, but you got to give the edge to Belichick against a rookie quarterback, especially an undrafted rookie quarterback, making just his third NFL start. I mean, that's that's a clear and distinct advantage in my mind. Dad, do you know who the best Patriots player is by far right now? The best player on their team with, you know. Jabril Preppers. Jabril Preppers is their best player by far. He's yeah. their best player. Yeah. With yeah. Matt Judon out and Christian Gonzalez, both of them out for the year. It's Jabril Preppers. Can you, that's that's amazing. He's an easy guy to root for. Was, I, was, I was researching it this morning and I was, I was shocked watching him and, and reading some of the analytics and some of the stats and, and, and seeing how well he's playing. I'm always, I've always been a big Peppers fan, so I'm happy for the guy. I really am. Good for him. Yeah, you, na- you nailed it. It's, it's Peppers. So, uh, yeah, I just, I, I'm stunned at the line. I'm, I'm not stunned that you would pick the Patriots to win. I, I think, you know, if you're picking this game in an office pool, family pool, sports betting, whatever, I would just stay away from this one. I have no idea what's going to happen. It's, Two of the worst teams in football here going head to head. Uh, but if it was anything, if it was anybody other than a rookie quarterback, I, I probably would go the other direction. But yeah. There's, listen, the bottom yeah. line is, is the numbers are the numbers and the history is the history. And it's not exactly a small sample size either. So Belichick is just dominant. Uh, he's just he's too smart for for rookie quarterbacks. He just is. Yeah. And he's coming off a bye. So that that does play into this. Uh, now. I do want you, Dan, to give me a report on the Patriots offensive line because you keep showing me the analytics and the stats that say the Giants are by far the worst. But I've been watching the Patriots all year and I, f- I feel like they have to be the worst. I can't. So I just want you to give me a report on the Patriots O-line a little bit after this game just by the eye test. I don't want you to do any extra work or anything. We'll let Jordy over at Pat- <laughs> Patriots Wire do that. But uh, yeah, I just think the Patriots, they have a terrible line. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be. It's probably going to be Mac Jones, but he's completely broken at this point. Uh, so I don't like him against the Giants defense right now, and especially all the pressure they're going to throw at him. He is just he's got the yips or something. So but Belichick hates Bailey Zappi. They're not going to bring in Will Greer. They don't they're not ready to throw Malik Cunningham out there. They've been working him a wide receiver in practice. So it's probably going to be Mac. 
the the line is horrible. There's you know the the Mario Douglas who Belichick drafted in like the sixth round is the best receiver on the team. It's just like a dumpster fire. <laughs> and like I said, Jabril Peppers is the best player by far on the whole roster. So uh, I just I cannot pick the Patriots to cover three points against anybody, especially the Giants on the road dance. So I I'm just you know I'm a Patriots fan. I am just I'm as far away from this game as you could be. And if I had to pick one side, I would just take the points because oh, the Patriots have been a wretched product all year, man. I know you've watched some bad football with the Giants and Giants fans have, but Patriots fans, oh boy, it's really annoying. We have not been in a Super Bowl in a while, Dan. I really don't know how to. Even, oh, I feel so yeah. terrible for you. But I, I appreciate you. You have not brought up. You have not said the word Eli Manning once on the show. So I do appreciate that. I, do I know, that. and I actually I told you before the show all I wanted to do was just break down the two Super Bowls, and I have no idea. you weren't interested I have in no having idea. that you're conversation. Have more, you'll have to be more specific, Dan. I don't know what Super Bowls are talking about. You know what's about. actually funny is uh, rather than doing some of my normal film review earlier this week, I actually did go back and watch Super Bowl 42 over how, again. How dare you? Why would you, why would you subject <laughs> yourself to that? Oh, God, what a game. What a game, boy. I'll never forget the emotions that I felt after that game. I'll tell you what. 42 was 07? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I would rather not watch that one ever again. Uh, but again, I'm a Patriots <laughs> fan, so good good for you, Giants. Good for you, Michael Strahan. <laughs> I think it's Strahan said after the game. Uh, Brady's ha- he has enough rings. He, he could let us have one, you know, so uh, pretty good stuff. I, I love I love how much it still eats away at, at people oh. associated with that team. We just mm-hmm. talked about Josh McDaniel a couple weeks ago and how that ultimately led to his firing. And, and Tom Brady to this day is like, I'll trade three Super Bowl wings for that one. Oh, yeah. Nope, that one. Nah, that one never have will it. eat at the Ours players, the, the fans. Yeah, that one will eat at eat at you forever. Giants fans always have that one. Uh, yeah. If you ever come you know, across it's a Patriots funny fan, you got them. That's, that's as good as it gets. If you're a Giants fan, it's probably as bad as it gets if you're a Patriots fan. So I do understand it from that point of view. But I'll tell you what, um, not just watching that game, but watching that Week 17 game, you, you kind of knew right then that those two teams were going to meet again. And that's just how it was going to go. Well, I was hoping not. I was hoping the Giants would lose in the NFC Championship game because I was scared <laughs> of them. Yeah, they they just seemed like the team. I, I think the Patriots got like a bomb to Randy Moss just to like clear the Giants. You know, they needed a... They needed some heroics there at the end to get they were going for their <laughs> records too. They were going for some regular season records for touchdowns and passing yards. Yep, and yep. they were able to get it and sneak by the Giants. But you're right. It was a high scoring game. It was a scary game. And it was like, oh boy. I don't I don't know if I want yeah. anything to do with that team, but uh, good yeah, for the Giants. People forget about that game at the very end. Tom Coughlin pulled his guys out. So he actually did kind of pull his guys at the end of that game. So but you know, they left that game knowing knowing full well that if they mm-hmm. came up against the Patriots again, they could win that game. And you know, as as fate happened, it they did. Very, so. very similar story to the two thousand one Patriots where they played the the Rams, that was the greatest show on turf. They played them in the regular season, lost by a touchdown, just like the Giants said to the Patriots, I think. I think it was a seven points. You know, final spread there at seven week seventeen. The Patriots played the Rams and said, "Oh no, we can beat them." And when they found, got them in the Super Bowl, they did. So oh, I can't believe you got me to talk about that game, Dan. I'm not. I'm not happy <laughs> at all now. Uh, official pick by the great Danton. Are you? Are you? You're not picking the Patriots and Belichick, are you? To oh, cover yeah. three points. I, I am. Oh gosh, I am. Yeah. Wow. hundred <laughs> percent. I am. You're down uh, on your team. I actually, I'm going to be. I think that. I think the Giants are. You're, you're going to see a very different offense uh, this week than regression, you did last week. Regression. It's not just that. It's just, you know, it, you're not facing, listen, as bad as the Patriots are, you're not facing the 32nd ranked Washington commanders who you just destroy every single time you cope against them That's for true. some reason. It, yep. just, it is just, it is the Belichick versus DeVito and Kafka show. And I just don't know. I think, I think the Giants are going to have to run through Saquon. And I think Belichick's going to have a plan for that. And uh, 
it's not going to allow much through the air. He's going to fluster DeVito. We're probably going to see, you know, the worst of DeVito, which I hope doesn't immediately flip the script on this poor kid because it's just an unfortunate timing that, you know, he's going up against the Belichick team. Um, You know, he'll have a week off. I can see him playing better against Green Bay coming out of the bye. Uh, But just against Belichick, you got to tip your cap to the guy, whether you like him or not, whether you think he's a cheater or not, doesn't matter. He's just great against rookie quarterbacks. There's a reason for that. And there's a reason that's going to continue. Bill would never cheat. What are you talking about, Dan? <laughs> they toe the line, maybe, but they'd never cheat. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it, not cheating. <laughs> it's called towing the line here in Foxborough. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Dan, good stuff as always. Happy Thanksgiving to you and the fam, man. I know, I think the fam is actually at the ho- house right now. So, you guys are getting ready. They are. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Good stuff. I'm trying to I'm trying to keep the mute button uh, <laughs> up and on because they're quite loud back there. Oh, no. Uh, been, so, it's not, just the, it's not just the chickens today. You got they, the they've been quieter than the hens. That's what I was going to say. They've been quieter today <laughs> than the hens. So, that's good. Uh, uh, so Dan, hope the best for you. Hope for all the listeners too. Uh, happy Thanksgiving again. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe, leave that review. Tell everybody on the review how much the great Danton is has helped you win your sports yeah. bets over the years. That's that's what we're here a lot, for. A lot, a lot better last year than this year. We'll pick against the Giants. That's what Dan's been doing, and it's been a, a fruitful <laughs> endeavor this year. Uh, but yeah, uh, appreciate all all of you for Dan Benton. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll catch you all next week. Mm-hmm.